Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al are celebrating YMYW podcast episode number 400 by doing what they always do, answering your money questions. Are there any holes in a five-year plan to retire from the Air Force, buy a house and plane, and become a commercial pilot? Can you claim an unpaid loan to a startup as a tax loss, do a Roth conversion, and pay no tax? Are Roth conversions a good idea in a low earnings year? Does it matter if you convert to Roth before or after changing custodians? What retirement savings options do independent contractors have besides the solo 401k? Does it make sense to cash out a 529 college savings plan that's losing money? Plus, the fellows spitball a real estate strategy and they discuss a state retirement account held at an insurance company. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to get your money questions answered. I'm producer Andy Last and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. Okay, we got Mike right in um, from Germany. Hey, Big Al, Joe, Andy. Found your show a couple months ago, and I'm burning through older episodes quickly and look forward to every new episode on Tuesday. I drive a 2013 Tacoma, and my wife drives a 2017 Subaru Legacy. Both paid off. My favorite drink is an old-fashioned, and she's fallen in love with Hefeweizen beer recently. Old fashions. Yeah. I was just thinking about your drink machine. Yeah, the drink machine. <laughs> that thing is a. That's not happening anymore, right? Yeah, the drink machine. Just got. Oofta. <laughs> uh, my wife and I are both in the Air Force, orthopedics. And uh, we currently station near Ramstein. Ramstein, probably. Ramstein yeah. um, Air Base in Germany. Uh, my wife will retire in two years. I'll retire in a year after her. Uh, we will both be 40 years old when we hang up the uniform. Oh, wow. 40 years. Very good. All right. Thank you for your service. Our plan is to head to Denver and uh, grow some roots until we're on the other side of the dirt or arthritis makes us move somewhere warmer. Uh, We currently have 250,000 in Roth TSP and Roth IRAs, 360 in cash, 50K in 529 plans for our two kids, 14 and 11, 20,000 in I-bonds. Our Air Force pensions will be right around $10,000 per month. I understand we have way too much in liquid cash right now, but our plan is to take two years off after the Air Force so I can finish up flight training and become a commercial pilot. And my wife will probably become a full-time hippie and stink up the basement with her glaucoma medicine. medicine. I love that. And it's in quotes, of course. (laughs) Got Uh, it. Right. That's what they say, huh? Yes. Wonder right. what really happens yeah. down there. Yeah. Um, we currently invest 22% of our income into TSP and IRA, both Roth, uh, but we'll stop contributing to the TSP when we retire and we'll continue to max out the IRAs each year moving forward. We will buy a house uh, when we move to Colorado and we'll use some of the cash for down payment and buy an airplane for building flight hours for buzzing around the neighbor's house. I continue. Mike, this is pretty long here. She's <laughs> going to journalism. Uh, my estimated um, uh, putting $150,000 down on a house, paying $3,500 a month for the mortgage payment, uh, $1,000 a month for the plane. I thought about just paying the pl- uh, plane off immediately, but we'll most likely... Uh, just make payments until I start flying commercially and bringing in our income so that we do not deflate the liquid accounts too quickly. I know we have big percentage of our net worth in liquid cash, but I'm planning 
on that money being there in case we need it for anything unexpected that our pensions do not cover. And I'd love to be able for my wife uh, to be able to chill for a couple of years and go back to work only when she wants to. Although my GI Bill will cover most of the flight training costs, I'm sure there will be additional expenses, which is why I haven't moved the money from the high-yield savings account during the two- or three-year bridge period where we're not working. I feel comfortable earning less of a return on the liquid cash due to the recent security and freedom it gives us. I decided to not put the money into a brokerage account uh, due to us needing it within the next two to three years, and I'm a moron when it comes to reading and timing uh, the market, and I'm afraid of making a bad move right now so close to retiring and buying a house in a plane. My questions for you are, Man, that was a, like a lot of stuff there. Just saying, <laughs> hey, I got some cash. So I want to buy this. I, I might need it in two or three years. What do you think? Yeah, no, you're buying a plane, and you're you're good. Yeah, please. You, I mean, he, he's trying to like, oh, I know I got a lot of money in cash, and you're going to say something about it. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Right. So I'll tell you what. If you need the cash within five years, five years, I, I was going to say three to five, but five years is safer Then don't invest it because you don't know what the market's going to do in between now and then. Now there are obvious holes in our five-year plan. Is anything you think I overlooked um, or that is stupid? No, Mike, nothing stupid or overlooked. <laughs> um, if you're in my position, would you keep all 360,000 in a high yield savings account, or would you put it towards maxing out our TSP accounts? while we're still active duty or possibly putting some in a brokerage account. I do not think we need all the money in the account over the next couple of years, but I am having a hard time touching or moving it. We worked hard to build it up and I'm worried about putting it in a fund that ends up losing money in a short term. You could tell he's really been thinking about this. He's, he's just, I mean, it's two pages of the same question. <laughs> I mean, but he's he's looking at possible rates of return, particularly with the market down, and he just wants to get some better return. It, it, keep but, it in cash. You're in the, a high yield savings account. The market is volatile as ever. You want to buy a plane and a house. I mean, you, you did your service, you know, in the Air Force. You want to be a commercial pilot. You got to get a plane, I guess, to fly people around. So that's an expense. You need that money for that. Right. You need roof over your head. Yeah, and you got ten thousand of income per month, so you, you're you're good. Yeah, and the wife is. Doing a little 420 in the basement. <laughs> hey, it's Clark Home the Medicine now. Is that what it is? Is that is that what it's called? That's what okay. she means. Yes. Yeah, that's what it's called. Just trying to be hip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you showed it. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty it cool, huh? Very clever. Just so good. <laughs> uh, sorry for the long email, but at least I didn't ask anything about the backdoor Roth conversion. Love the show. It's awesome. They have found a financial podcast where the hosts show their real personalities. And that don't put me to sleep, especially since I'm listening to the episode on my drive to work. Thanks so much for the entertainment and the spitball on our situation would be greatly appreciated. Mikey B, feel free to use my name if it gets read on the podcast so I can feel important. And when I force my family to listen to it. <laughs> I'm surprised Mike is the first person to actually acknowledge that that's what they do is force their family to listen to why. I'm yes. uh, well, a couple things here. Congratulations. All right. They've done a really good job. He's 40 years old. They're going to retire. Yeah. They're going to have a fat pension. You know what I mean? And, right. then and then he's going to go back to work and make some more money. Yeah. He's following his dream. About $1,000 a month on a plane? That seems cheap. Yeah, right? I, what What does a plane cost? Who knows? I'm clueless on planes. Yeah. 
I think it's more than a car. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I sort of question that too. It seems like you'd have to have a down payment and a much higher monthly payment. Well, but, he's got, well, but he's, got he's got three fifty. So, or, or maybe it's just like leasing. It. He's not really buying it. I, I don't know. I have All no right. idea. Well, Mike, once you get the plane, once you come down to San Diego, we'll have a Hefeweizen in an old fashioned with my drink machine. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cynthia writes in from Tennessee, Big Al. She goes, hey, Andy, or Andre is what. Yeah, that's the first. Well, Andre, (laughs) uh, Joe and Al, in June of 2021, I made a business loan of $300,000 to a Connecticut LLC that is a startup company in the medical equipment business. The money was used to buy medical equipment for the business. It is clearly a loan, all capitals. (laughs) And I have no equity interest. I have no personal relationship involved with the transaction, nor this company. Okay, pretty clear. Okay, we are not attorneys. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> we might. It depends on the question. The company has never made a profit since its inception of two years. Uh, the income received does not cover costs, expenses, and continues to borrow funds to keep it going. They cannot make payroll and owe employees wages payable. The loan agreement was for a 60-day bridge loan with additional capital was secured by a local bank. The loan is, document is written, agreement, and signed by two members of the LLC. Secured by collateral, medical equipment units. Has interest of 2% per month, 24% APR. It's pretty good. Yep, great. Calls for all costs of collection to be responsible to of the borrower. If a breach occurs, the entire loan could be called immediately. To date, I've received $71,000 interest only through February 2022. No payments have been made to me since February 2022, and no payments have ever been made toward the principal. I did report the portion of interest income received on 2021 on my 2021 federal tax return, even though I did not receive a 1099 INT from this business. And you wouldn't because they're not a bank. Currently, I am owed $42,000 in interest in $300,000 of the base loan principal. Assuming the loan has defaulted and I will receive, collect nothing more on this business loan. Here is my question. Can I claim this loss on my 2022 federal income taxes? My federal tax liability for 2022 would normally be about $50,000 on approximately $265,000 of taxable income. No. My tax bracket is 24% with an effective tax rate of 17%. At approximately $4 million in traditional IRAs, I want to convert enough monies to the Roth IRA to equal cover the business loan loss and reduce or eliminate my tax liability. I knew that was going to happen. Right when I started reading Mm -hmm. this loan, (laughs) I'm not involved. (laughs) I don't know anyone. (laughs) These, These jerks didn't pay me. So can I do a Roth conversion of the same amount and not pay any tax? <laughs> that is the question. The answer is no. Um, well, first of all, do you even have a loss, right? And so the way the IRS looks at this is if the loan had value, if the, in other words, if it, it was, it, it still, it's, it still had value at the beginning of the year and it had no value at the end of the year, which you have to go through some hoops to be able to prove, which it doesn't sound like you're there yet, but let's just say you can even if you can prove the loan had no value, 
and you gotta you gotta look at an IRS publication or talk to a CPA. It's pretty complicated how this works, but that's the idea. Had value at the beginning of the year, no value at the end of the year. Then you do have a loss. It's in, in almost all cases, it's a capital loss. It's not an ordinary loss, which means you'll get to use three thousand dollars against your Roth conversion. The other amount would be used against future capital gains, which have nothing to do with Roth conversions. Yeah, Roth conversions, ordinary income, capital loss is a capital asset. So just like if you bought a, a, a bond fund, okay? So a bond fund is a loan. It's a loan. <laughs> it, you don't know anyone on the other side of the loan. <laughs> and so let's say, right, interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Sometimes, you know, uh, bonds, um, they don't pay. Yeah. And so that is a capital loss. Just because this was a private investment doesn't necessarily make it an ordinary loss. Now, I will say there is something called a business loan loss and that you usually, which is an ordinary loss, usually you have to be a bank or in the business of Lending. making loans to businesses and which does not necessarily sound like the case based upon these facts. I wish it was true though, you know, because it's like, hey, I made this investment to the small startup. Yeah. And I felt, you know, I'm, I'm funding the company, right. I'm helping them, you know, pay payroll. And I feel like part of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, Hey, I mean, she got paid. She got paid pretty good. Yeah. 70 interest. grand. It was like, Oh, well, I'm killing it. And then I was in, <laughs> you know, that's what startups do, right? Yeah. That's why you got a 24% interest rate. There's a lot of risk here. <laughs> There's a ton of risk, risk and expected return are related. Yep. Yep. And so, yep, they kind of went defunct and weren't able to pay, but you did get $72,000. Um, but if that's interest only, so the I guess would... Um, yeah, and and once you do have a deductible loss, I'm not even sure if it's 2022 because of why, what I just said, but when you do have a loss, you'll have, in, in all likelihood, a very large capital loss, which you'll be able to use for many years against future capital gains. So it's not all bad necessarily. No, she's got uh, two rescue months drives a 2018 Genesis G80. I don't even know what that is. I know what a Genesis is. I don't know what the G80 is. Sounds kind of expensive. <laughs> That's probably a big one. Yeah. Uh, in, enjoy a cold, cold, <laughs> cold. She likes all she, caps. She likes to emphasize. Words. Oh, right. Cold. <laughs> Tito's neat. Uh, who not, doesn't like a not, little, a, not a warm one. No, cold one. Oh, I like cold Tito's meat too. All right. That's it. Thanks, Cynthia. I'm sorry that you couldn't write the loss off on a Roth conversion, but you can write it off against stock or bond losses Fair. or gains. Individual retirement accounts or IRAs were created to give us a leg up on saving money for retirement, but there are several flavors of IRAs with different purposes, rules, and tax treatment. Learn about eight different IRAs, the traditional, Roth, SEP, spousal, simple, self-directed, inherited, and stretch IRAs. You'll find out their differences, limitations, and benefits in our ultimate IRA guide. Download it for free from the podcast show notes. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to get there. Then make sure you hit that share button to spread the love. Share YMYW and the free financial resources and help us grow the show. We've got Christine from Seattle writes in. Let's see. This didn't go through last time. So trying from another device. You can use this if it goes through to replace the email I sent. We actually did get both of the ones that Christine sent. So apparently okay. there was success somewhere. I don't know if yeah. she sent it 10 times though. So, but we got All it right. twice. 
Dear Joe and Al, I've been listening to your show for a few months now. I'm really enjoying it. See, another one. Just yep, found us. Just found us. Okay. Uh, and feel it's making, uh, and and feel it's made me a little bit smarter. Joe's an acquired taste, but <laughs> happily a taste I've acquired. <laughs> yeah, it takes, takes a while to warm yeah, up. You know, it just takes a couple of episodes, <laughs> and then you fall in love. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's just like, except for that one guy. It's like, yeah, I've subscribed and unsubscribed 10 times. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> Something just draws me back. <laughs> but then flip it. Anderson. All right. Makes me unsubscribe and give you a one-star re- review. Uh, yeah. I've been, I've been told that. So I appreciate that, Christine. That's well, nice. It's a good taste. Yeah, but she's she's uh, she's now acquired that taste. Yes. It can be a little hard to follow when he and Al process out loud, but they either gotten better at summarizing or I've gotten better at tracking. It would definitely be easier if I listen at home with a pencil in hand. We do have transcripts of the episodes. So, Christine, if you need to go back and, and review, they are available I on like the, the website. Feedback. Yeah, I, I like it too. Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? I, I don't know. I think she's tracking better. She's tra- that's what I think too. Right. She's acquired the taste, <laughs> but she's tracking. Right. She gets it. Um, see, she doesn't even know she's getting smarter. Yeah. As soon as I start being annoying, it's like, wow, clicks. Right. <laughs> okay. I left my job in the spring and I'm pursuing a career change after decades of fundraising for nonprofits. Some days I definitely wonder if I've gone mad especially since I'm over 50 and I've seen my retirement savings drop about 20 for uh, 25% so far. Nope. <laughs> In any case, I'm trying to take advantage of the lower earnings year to convert some of my rollover 401k to my Roth IRA. I also want to add $1,700 to my HSA to bring me to 4650 max for 2022. And finally, I may need an additional $20,000 beyond the six months I've saved for living expenses. So single filer, Washington, no state income tax, year-to-date gross earnings, $95,000. Estimated itemized deductions, $25,000. Roth conversion year-to-date, $60,000. Estimated taxes on conversion paid, $14,000. Now that's due one fifteen twenty three. dollars HSA fill-up contribution, $1,700. Additional living expenses, twenty grand. To pay for the above, here's what I'm thinking. I have two positions, both long-term holdings in my brokerage account that are currently as of 923 showing a total of $8,000 loss and a total value 48,000. I could sell one or both these positions to pay for the tax in spending needs for the remainder of 2022. If I sell the entirety of both positions, I would have an extra $12,000. Although I realize these values will likely change by the time you read this. I could keep this in cash or use it for additional Roth conversion taxes, see notes below, or to buy an I-bond to hold the money and gain some interest on the $10,000 special assessment by the HOA uh, that will be due in 2025. Okay. No, I don't earn any additional income in the final quarter of the year. I'll have another 40,000 more if I have uh, the loss sale. Will I have another 40K um, more if I have the last sale? Up to the $170,000 ceiling of the 24% tax bracket. Uh, okay, I could use the extra to pay, um, pay the tax. 
Where are the holes in thinking in this calculation? How would the brokerage sales impact my income? I don't want to go above $170,000 ceiling for the 24% tax bracket. What should I consider as far as timing of the sale of the two brokerage positions? Just sell as high as I can. I know I'll sleep better after hearing your spitball on this. Many thanks for all you do to make us smarter about retirement planning. Christine in Seattle. P.S. I almost forgot. My warm weather drink is Mount Gay and Tonic with a lime. I drive a Tesla Model 3, and I never thought I could love a car this much. Is that what you've got, Big Al? I just got it. I, I agree. That's the best car I ever had. You just love it? Love it. Really? Yep. Okay. Model 3 guy. Yep. Love it. I got the blue color with the white seats, the, the special wheels. <laughs> oh, Model three, big Al cruising around. Okay. So what, what do we got here? So she needs some cash. Yeah. And then her question is, all right. So should she sell the brokerage account at $8,000 loss when she's in? And- yeah. Why not? Oh, does that affect her tax? So that you have an $8,000 capital loss. If you have any other capital gains from any other investments, it will net against that. If not, you'll be able to use a $3,000 of that this year against other income. So if you need the cash, that's those are good assets to sell. Um, the 8000 loss will not a- affect the Roth conversion. No, except for if it, yeah. I, I, correct, because the well, I don't want to go into all this. The capital gains sit on top of the ordinary income, but I think that's what you're referring to. But I think that's what she's asking. Like, if I don't earn any additional income in the final quarter of the year, I'll have another forty thousand dollars up to the hundred seventy ceiling of the twenty four percent tax bracket. True. Okay, I don't know what that means. I think she's thinking maybe I'd convert another forty thousand. I'll have another forty thousand dollars. More if I have the loss sale. No, okay. So now I understand her question here. So if she doesn't have any more income, she's got forty thousand dollars room in the twenty four percent tax bracket. Is what she's saying, and she's saying there could be more if I have this eight thousand dollar tax loss. Right. But that's a capital loss, not an ordinary loss. Right. But she's probably or if there's any capital gains, she's probably including. I I don't know what she's doing with the other income. But the truth is you would get a $3,000 loss. So you will get benefit there against ordinary income and not the full eight. So <clears throat> what are the holes of thinking in this calculation? So is the, is the calculation the one of seeing to the top of the 24% tax bracket? Yeah, there's no problem there. The, my question is, can you afford it? Because you got to pay for the tax on that you already on the conversion you already uh, made. In January, you got distal living expenses. Then if you do more Roth conversions, you, you've got more cash needed to pay the tax. So uh, the tax planning is perfect. Cash flow, I don't know. You, it, it sounds like you might be a little bit tight here, cash flow-wise. All right, cool. Uh, thanks, Christine. Hopefully that helps. Appreciate the question uh, and the feedback. I uh, got Cass, Cassie from San Angelo, Angelo, Texas. Hi, all. Love the show. Independent contractor, I want to set up retirement contributions for myself this year. Uh, most sites recommend the solo 401k, but what are other options should I consider? And what are the ideas on personal contributions and business contributions? Uh, any good options to convert to a Roth since you all are the Roth show? My deets. Deets. Details. Got it. 
married finally jointly. Dinks. <laughs> you know that Dual one, right? Income, no kids. Dual yeah. income, no kids. Him, 140. My biz, 75K. <laughs> All right. Cassie he likes to talk in code. It's yeah, good. Cassie. Um, so retirement plans, self-employed, there's all kinds of plans. There is, you can just do like, like a regular IRA. You could do a simple IRA. You could do a solo 401k. You could do a defined benefit plan. I would say solo 401k is, is the, is probably the best choice when you have a small business because you can put more into it as long as you don't have other employees. Right, because you can put the same amount that you could put into a, a SEP IRA. You can put in more than you would put into a um, simple IRA or regular IRA, and you can have an employer contribution, and it's it's really no cost. I mean, there's an extra extra form they have to fill out, which is the plan itself. But the brokerage companies already have that done for you. You just sign some paperwork, so it's pretty easy. So, yeah. So Cassie's biz brings in seventy five thousand bucks. Solo four hundred one k is definitely the way to go. Uh, just because it's a defined contribution plan, uh, contributions are defined and you, you have discretionary of when you can save into those. Um, if the business were to create more income, then there's the defined benefit plan that you could establish that you could put, you know, a lot more money into. Yeah. Let's say you, you start making two or $300,000, then you might want to consider the defined benefit plan. But with a solo 401k, you can put in the, and I'm just rounding $20,000 for the employer part. And you could probably put in another 15000 or so for the employer part, something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Solo 401. I think, what, what's her name? Um, I don't know. Someone wrote in, like, Solo401k.com or remember? Oh, I was think? it my Solo 401k? I forget. Yeah, I forget, too. It's um, Priya. Isn't our, our girlfriend Priya from Orange County, didn't she? That could be. I believe so. Like, and yeah, I think it was mysolo401k.net. She was all so, over that. She, yeah. she really liked that. So we'll, we'll pass that along to Cassie. There you go. All right. Uh, we got Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Hi, I have a traditional IRA in Morgan Stanley that I want to convert to Roth and move to Fidelity. The IRA is roughly $24,000. I understand that I have to pay taxes on the money that will be converted. And I won't be able to withdraw anything out of the Roth for five years without penalty. We will still be in the 12% tax bracket this year since my husband is the only one bringing in the income. Married finally joint with one 18-year-old child at home. Total income and interest dividends before deductions, roughly $65,000. So even with a $24,000 IRA, uh, we will be at $89,000 before deduction. The IRA is... Um, in the following couple different mutual funds. My question, do I convert my traditional IRA to Roth at Morgan Stanley, then move to Fidelity? Or do I move the traditional IRA to Fidelity and have Fidelity converted to Roth? Thank you so much for your help, Rhonda. Um, six and a half dozen. <laughs> yeah, the answer is it doesn't matter. Whatever's easier. Yeah, totally. Um, convert it at Morgan and then move it over or just move it first to fidelity. Yeah. It doesn't matter at all. Um, Andy, what is ticker P O N C X? PIMCO income fund class okay, C PIMCO and then F H Y C X federated Hermes opportunistic high yield bond fund. Ooh, Ooh, never mind. Federated. Okay. So both those companies would be, um, on fidelity's platform. You could transfer it in kind 
um, and just do an eight cat transfer from Morgan Stanley to Fidelity and then convert at Fidelity. And you could use those same funds if you wanted to. I wouldn't. I don't really care for those funds, but. Wait, um, what kind of transfer did you say? Eight cat. Which is? You just transfer it from one brokerage to another brokerage and it just kind of wires the, the funds and the shares to the other brokerage account. Got it. So you don't have to sell it. It doesn't go into cash. It doesn't do anything like that. It's just basically in-kind type transfer. Yeah, you don't need to know that term, Fidelity. We'll handle that. I would. Do you, Rhonda, if you want to sound pretty cool at the bar. <laughs> say, yeah, I, I did an A-cat. I did an A-cat. A little A-cat transfer. I think, I, I think I'm going to say I've got a slight preference to moving the assets to Fidelity first, because if you're going to get, let's say if you get rid of Morgan Stanley, all the paperwork will be through Fidelity. If there's any questions, it's your current broker. How about that? I like that. I just looked it up. ACAT stands for Automated Customer Account Transfer. Just like understanding the ins and outs of your retirement accounts, understanding Medicare is an important part of any retirement plan as well. This is your health care plan in retirement we're talking about here. Register for our free Medicare webinar at noon Pacific time on October 26th for answers to 10 common Medicare questions. You'll learn about Medicare parts A, B, C, and D, coverage options like Medicare Advantage and Medigap, the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, the Medicare open enrollment timelines and financial penalties for delayed enrollment, cost-saving tips, and much more. Plus, get answers to any questions that you have about Medicare. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and register for Understanding Medicare, a free webinar at noon Pacific time on Wednesday, October 26th, presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Uh, busting through a lot of emails here today. We're, we're, we're working hard. Keep them coming. Go to yourmoneywealth.com. Click on Ask Joe and Al on the air. And then uh, it looks like the most of them are coming through there, right? A lot, like, lot of them are. Instead of like info? We have been getting a lot that have been coming to uh, Ask Joe and Al. So yeah, it does seem to be working for some people. Okay. Hey, Andy, Al, Joe. I have a 2017 Audi A4, a new Husky mix, and I drink bourbon and a lot of it. <laughs> That was added for emphasis. <laughs> in single malts. Um, in 2007, I purchased a classic Chicago two-flat, two-unit building. I renovated the building, made capital improvements to the upstairs unit, which I rent out, in the downstairs unit, which I made my primary residence. The units were of equal living area when I purchased the building, capital improvements of the primary unit, including duplexing the downstairs unit, into the basement, adding a master bedroom, master bath, and an additional bedroom. Uh, the ratio of living space unit is now 65% primary, 35% rental. Oh my, I'm just, I just fell asleep. <laughs> Go as long as you want, then I'll answer the uh, question. There's a lot here we don't want to read on the air. Oh, uh, Kenneth, you, you, <laughs> this is like, um, all right, fix, let's fix up that house. Well, let fix me, her upper. Let me take it from here. I have a, a, well, I'll finish this. Okay. I yeah. have carefully kept track of all capital improvements to the rental unit, my primary unit in the common areas, new roof, new back, porch, deck, etc. I've been taking depreciation for the rental, which includes half of the building, original purchase price, capital improvements of the rental unit, and half of the capital improvements to those shared units, uh, shared areas. I purchased the building for $573,000. I made $160,000 in total capital improvements. Rental depreciation to date is $196,000. 
Assume I now convert my two flat into a single family home this year. My total basis is five sixty nine. I still one hundred ninety five thousand in depreciation. I wait two years, twenty twenty four, to sell. Assuming nine hundred thousand. What are the taxes that I owe? It's like I feel like I'm sitting in a CPA's office. <laughs> this is actually a better question for your CPA. <laughs> what do I owe? I'm going to take this double unit and turn it into a, a chicken flat, and then I put some capital improvements on it. Put so, a little extra bathroom in there. So, so when when you do this, so you've got a mixed use property, right? So some is rental, some is primary residence. So when you sell that property, then some of it, the residence part, you get the exclusion. You know, you get two hundred fifty thousand dollar exclusion for selling a property as long as you you lived in 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 it uh, and owned it for for two two out two out of the last five years, right? So, I think that's partly what he's trying to do, and that that works. And then the rental part, uh, so he's already taken a bunch of depreciation, and depreciation gets recaptured. So that in in his text here, the $196,000 of depreciation, um, then that gets recaptured to the extent of your gain, right? And if we read down further, his profit's 100,000. So only 100,000 gets recaptured. In essence, what you're saying is you lost $90,000 on your property, which only occurred because you originally called it 50-50. Now you're calling it 35-65. So your ratio's off it may raise some eyebrows to go from, because your depreciation is based upon a lot higher allocation than your sales amount, which is what you'd want to do if you're trying to get that home exclusion, trying to get more gain uh, deferred. But I think you may have a little bit of issue here. So <clears throat> let me break this down for the simple man. Yeah, please. Okay. So he bought a multi-use property, rented one area, lived in the other. When he purchased it, let's call it $500,000. Yeah. Okay. So he's going to say half of this, I'm going to rent down half of it. I'm going to live in. I bought it for 500. So two, um, we're going to split it 250 basis for each. And that's what he started with basis 50, 50. That's right. 250 for my primary 250 for um, the rental. But what I did is that I, I did a lot of improvements to my primary. I put in another bathroom. I did this and I did some some extra stuff here. So I think it's probably worth more. So now I want to change my ratio when I sell it to 60-40 or 70-30. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Right? Because if I sell my and then he wants to sell it for a million dollars, and let's just assume there's a total of five hundred thousand dollars of gain. And if I split that 50-50, would go to the primary, 250 would go to the rental. Right. Right. And then plus depreciation recapture, whatever he recaptured. Yeah. So the rental gain would be higher, right? Because you got depreciation recapture. So because I lived in the house two out of the last five years, I get the 121 tax exclusion, which allows me to exclude 250,000 of gain or 500,000 of gain if I'm married or single. So maybe he's single and he's like, you know what? I got 250 tax free coming to me because I've lived in the primary two out of the last five years. But you know what? I want to maybe get, maybe I'm married and I want more of that exclusion because I can exclude up to 500,000. So I'm going to flip my ratios a little bit and have more gain on the primary than on the rental. Yeah, you got it right. And so now I can say, you know what? 60% of that $500,000 gain is on my primary, which is going to get wiped out because I get the 121 tax exclusion. I'll pay my depreciation recapture, and then I'll pay whatever gain is on the 40% or 30% of the rental. That's what he's doing. But here's the smell test. So the smell test is he made money 
on his residence and he lost money on the rental. Same property. That's why I'm, I'm having a little trouble with these numbers. So, And that happened because of the ratio changing. Right. So it started at 50-50 and all of a sudden you're, you're tweaking the ratios here. But he could say, well, look at the rentals, a piece of, you know, whatever. I didn't do anything to it. But look <laughs> at my primary. Look at all the, you know. You could, but that's the question. And actually, the truth is in his numbers, he's making profits on both. It's just that when you when you add back the depreciation, he's losing 100000 on the rental, which probably isn't likely. Got so it. just just be aware of that. You got to pass the smell test. All right. Cool. Thank you for that. Um Interesting email, Kenneth. Good luck with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got Todd from La Mesa writes in. The company that manages my 529 for my daughter increased the percentage of growth investments to 16% from zero. Over 18 in, in college was 0%. Okay. Are you following that? No. Are you? Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> The company that manages my 529 for my daughter increased the percentage of growth investments to 16% from 0%. Oh, I guess they're saying it was all fixed income. Now there's 16% in, in growth companies. How about okay. that? Let's go with that one. All right. Over 18 and in college was 0%. Should I cash out of my daughter's 529 plan? She's 20 and in her third year. It's already losing money. Okay. I'm Todd. I, I think it's just the allocation shifted from no stocks to 16% stocks. That's how I read it. Why would that happen if she's 20? I don't know. And, and does, it goes it, the other way, doesn't it? It does. But but what what if she doesn't need it all, right? So may, maybe, she only, maybe she only needs but, 84% of it. And so the rest is in growth for, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't have it. It, it, it sounds kind of weird. Right. It, like there's that, what do they call it? The glide path. <laughs> but that's for retirement, not for college. So, well, the 529 plans is the same thing. Yeah. Well, right. Right. It, and it's the reverse. It's well, or no, no, it's the same. Yeah. You, you, you go more conservative. Yeah. Because all right now, you know, put money in when my kid is one years old. And then when the child is 17, it yeah. should be a lot more conservative because I got to spend the money. Yeah. So now this is switching to more growth investments. The only thing I could think of is just what I said is if she doesn't need it all and is not going to need it for a while, maybe you switch some of it to growth. I, I don't know. I don't, she's 20 years old. It's down. It's her third year. Do you cash it out? Well, if, if it's at a loss and you sell it, there's no tax. Yep. If it's at a gain and you sell it and you don't use it for college, it's going to be um, tax-free. She's got another gear. You could put it in cash inside the 529 plan. I would okay. just keep it in the – until your daughter's fully out of school, you know, and then just be super conservative. Just put it in a fixed fixed account. Yeah, because she, and she might go to graduate school or she might go later. Right. So, yeah, you don't necessarily want to cash it out, but you can change the investment. 16% is not a lot in growth, but it just seems weird the timing of the change. We got hello from Oregon. Hello. <laughs> I'm a state employee with a Boya TDF held at AIG. Is that a target tax date? Deferred, uh, state employee, it's a uh, tax deferred fund or tax deferred retirement account TDF. Yes. I thought it was a target date fund. Target date fund? Yeah, there you go. Target date fund. At Voya, held at AIG. 
Okay. I've learned from listening to your podcast that you don't know what TDF means. <laughs> it's true. Educators. We we don't like acronyms that much. And 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 our listeners don't know what they mean either. So just just spell them out. Sometimes half the time it's like, oh, what is what are we doing here? Um, I've learned from listening to your podcast, such as yours, oh, listening to podcasts such as yours, uh, that investment in insurance products shouldn't be combined. And I agree with this thought. Until I retire, I don't have an option about where this account is held. I was wondering if because a state entity has selected this company, does that change whether it is better or worse to have my retirement account remain in this insurance company after retirement? I also have a retirement account at Tia Craft and Fidelity. So those would be my other choices for where to put this money upon retirement. Okay, I drive a 2015 Kia Soul with a perfect, which is a perfect vehicle with the back seats down to cart around my two rescue pups with their heads poking out of the window. I've just got a little picture. Of the yeah, pups. we do. Yeah. Very nice. Very cute. Uh, one came from Korean meat market. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. That was a rescue. A rescue. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the other came uh, from the streets of California. Uh, the picture I've sent is of them looking at the Starbucks barista uh, waiting for their pups. Uh, thanks for educating the masses. Uh, me, Sadie, Fiona, and Carly Raisu. So there's Sadie, Fiona, and Carly Raisu. Got it. <laughs> got it. Um, okay, so she's got a, a, a an account at Voya. Which uh, sounds like has some insurance product associated with the retirement account. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it, does it? Because it's a, well, it, it's it's a, a retirement tar- account. Tar- I mean, target date fund. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's a 457 plan through the, the state, and they picked Voya to be the, the custodian. Yeah, that, and that be, doesn't necessarily mean it's in an insurance product. Right. Big I mean, insurance companies have multiple products. Yeah, that's right. It is an insurance company, but it's it may be just a regular investment. Yeah, um, you, you can do whatever you want when you retire. I, I think basically, if you want to consolidate, do that. Just know that T is an insurance company too. So, like, okay, I got my money at Voya, Tia, and Mass Mutual. I want to put it <laughs> <laughs> in something that's not insurance. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Then put it in Fidelity. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter. They're all really good, strong companies. It's how, what investments that you're choosing inside your individual retirement account once you retire. So there's the custodian, right? And then there's the account, and then there's the product. So the custodian could be TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Voya, uh, Charles Schwab, Merrill Lynch, um, Mass Mutual, whatever. And then you pick the the account. The account is, in your case, would be an IRA. And then from there, where you would want to look is, what are you going to fund the IRA with? Do you want to use an insurance product? So that would be like an annuity. Or you could use mutual funds. You could use ETFs. You could use individual stocks. I mean, then you could use CDs, bonds, whatever. The, The list goes on and on and on and on. So just because maybe there's an insurance wrapper associated with it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's an insurance product. Most cases, it might probably is. Like with TIA CREF, the CREF is the mutual fund and TIAA is the, the, the insurance, the annuity. 
So you, you just have to kind of educate yourself a little bit more of what you want to do. But if you, I would suggest you consolidate to one company once you retire. So you have one retirement account that you can, you know, take your distributions and live off of. Yeah. And, and you have to realize when you're working for, in this case, the state, you are limited with your um, retirement accounts, what investments they have after you retire, then you can move it wherever you want to, if you want to. Check out that picture of Sadie Fiona and Carly Ray Sue at the Starbucks drive-thru in the podcast show notes. Just click the link. Uh, you know how to get there. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.